Welcome to Everything Is Up, a podcast about the real-life stories of people who have created extraordinary levels of success. These are conversations with people who are constantly striving to take things to the next level. And now, here's your host... Everything is up with Tamara. Today we have uh, TJ and Jackie Ware from Paradise Claims, also Paradise Consulting. I understand you guys have got a second company um, now. So tell us, guys, how you ended up with Paradise Claims and then Paradise Consulting. Um, and then we're going to talk some personal stuff because I learned some stuff while doing some research about you guys that is totally intriguing. So, um, TJ. Sure. So, um, you know, years ago, we got into construction about about 12 years ago, and uh, we had an electrical contracting and roofing contracting business for seven years. And from that, we were introduced to insurance claims and insurance work and restoration, and we got interested in the adjusting side of it. And so we built a company uh, to do insurance adjusting. And once that started taking off, we sold our construction company that we owned before. Uh, and, And then we've just focused on growing this business. And we've had quite a bit of success. And we've learned a lot of really hard lessons along the way. And that's how we got into the consulting. Um, And then uh, I also own another company that we started in 2021 that's based in Roanoke, Texas, that does something similar. uh, And it's been very successful and it's had a lot of growth as as well. So through growing those companies and making a lot of mistakes, we've gathered some information that has, you know, proven to be useful for other entrepreneurs. Nice. Okay. So that gives us a little bit of background. Um, Jackie, tell us how I understand your coach for um, strength finders. Um, and that's fairly recent. I mean, you, you're building companies during COVID. Literally, there were some companies that just flourished and some that literally just didn't make it. Right. So we, we, we've seen both sides of this. Um but you just started coaching, as I understand it here, within the last year that yeah. you become a certified coach. T- tell me a tell me about it. I am intrigued. I'm a big um, strength finder. I use it with my companies, oh, and I, okay. when I'm hiring. Um, so tell me a little bit about what took you that direction. So in 2020, um, we were running Paradise Claims, and. Uh, We had just a perfect setting of everything coming together. And TJ really took off on social media with his marketing and our company exploded. And we very quickly became overwhelmed. Um, Things were falling apart around us. And everybody says, oh, you've had so much growth. You should be so happy. But it wasn't. We were working 16-hour days, seven days a week. You know, our kids were not getting the time that they needed from us. And we got introduced to a business coach who talked to us about personality assessments and which one of them was strength finder and EOS, which is a framework, a business operating system. And so we jumped into that. We were desperate. Anything that would have helped, we were willing to try just to alleviate the stress and pressure that we had. And so what we quickly learned was, um, I was in the wrong seat within our company, um, carrying a load that I wasn't the best suited person to do. And, you know, coming around and learning that was really tough because as owners, you just jump in and do what needs to be done. 
And so um, having to learn what I was good at and what I wasn't good at was a process. But in the process of that, um, I actually learned that I really enjoy the personality assessments and helping people. So, you know, I, I we use culture index, love that. It's kind of the 5,000 foot view. Uh, Strength finder is the details of people. And, um, you know, I have the ability to have, be relational and um, strategic. And so I think that's really helped me as a coach and, and made me really interested in that. Nice. Okay. So that's exciting. So um, running a business with a second one and 10 kids, like how on earth do you guys do this? Obviously you're doing something right because you don't have 10 kids that are, I mean, I've seen pictures and family pictures of you guys and those kids are all happy. So how do you do that? Well, we've always lived kind of a different and dynamic life. Like I knew before I got out of high school that public school wasn't where I wanted to put my kids. And that was a big part of our journey because we homeschooled our children from the beginning, which meant that they were integrated into our work life a lot more than would be normal. And so it allowed us to both be present with our family and be present with our careers and growing our companies at the same time. So that has allowed us to do things very out of the box. We traveled all over the country for work uh, and we're able to take them with us no matter what time of year it is. And so that has given us additional opportunities to accomplish things that other young parents aren't able to accomplish. Uh, and it's been really challenging, to be honest, you know, logistically and, and financially, there are a lot of challenges there. And I'm sure that the number of kids we have has driven us even harder than we would have been driven otherwise. Yeah. So kids are, they, you know, I personally did not bear children, but I raised a niece um, after her mom passed. And um, I will just tell you guys, I suck. I suck at it. It was like, I, 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 well, I feel like that most days too. So <laughs> I'm like, Oh, this, this whole parenting thing is like, Oh, hardest thing I've ever done. Um, and I got her when she was 12. Um, after, yeah. So I like took into the teenage years. Well, so, that's a tough time to, yes. to take a girl to, especially after that. So that's, yeah. that's got its challenges, but there's no part of parenting that is easy for, for any of us. And it doesn't get easier. It just changes and looks differently. Right. Yeah. So I've learned, right. <laughs> I've learned that that one is just like very challenging. So you guys work together. Um, that is also not easy. Right. 24 seven, um, 365, you guys are together and, and you guys have been married for a long time, right? Almost 20 years. Almost 20 years. So 24, seven, 365 married for 20 years, 10 kids. Um, I think you're crazy, but that's just my personal opinion here. Um, how do you juggle, um, the relationship, because I think that a lot of entrepreneurs, um, they are either not home because they 16 hour days, right? Everybody's working to make the, you know, the business grow and to, you know, have that success that they have. I think everyone thinks that 
anyone with a successful business was it was handed to them. Um, we'll help them with that, right? That is not the case, people. We really do have to, um, we put in some long hours. There's a lot of sacrifices. So how do you guys manage the sacrificing, sometimes the relationship for the kids or the relationship for the business um, and still manage to like each other? Well, to be honest, you know, there's a lot of times where we've gotten very out of balance and the relationship goes through phases where it's really strong and we're a team and we're working together and it goes through phases where we're very challenged by the constant presence of each other. So we've just learned to keep trucking <laughs> uh, through through the low spots and try not to spread ourselves too thin and try not to get too out of balance. That's when I notice when I take on too much responsibility and I don't set proper boundaries in business, uh, telling people no. Uh, also, like I demand a lot of myself and I tend to project that upon the people around me. And sometimes I have to stop and tell myself, you know what? It's okay for you to stop working at four o'clock today. It's okay for you to go do this. Uh, I'm dedicated to taking my youngest to swim lessons four mornings a week. And that's something I would not have let myself do years ago, but not allowing myself to have balance and engage in life has allowed me to get way out of balance at times. And sometimes just that what comes along with that for entrepreneurs that I notice is that sometimes you can begin to hate and resent the whole experience that you're living if you're not actually living a full life. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I've, I've had this wonderful opportunity to talk to a lot of um, entrepreneurs and extremely successful individuals and balance. That word comes up a lot, but it's not in balance. It's that, you know, we all end up being out of balance more than we're in balance. Mm -hmm. um, that's a great conversation. Um, when you talk about high expectations of yourself and projecting that, you know, on others, it's funny. I literally just told a new hire, I have really high expectations and I don't lower them for anyone. So that's frightening for um, employees when they come on board like, oh Lord. But I tell them too, at the same time, you're not going to be able to keep up with me. So don't try. Right. I I am, you know, I'm, I'm very different. And I know that this entrepreneurial spirit, uh, it is a specific, I'm noticing, let me just put it this way, that there's this trend that they are over high achievers, right? They don't settle for less than what they would expect from themselves. And there's so many that have been unhappy until they learn this whole balance thing. And I've had more say once I realized that I could give myself permission, like what you've said, it's okay um, to, you know, not have that 24 7, 365 push all the time, that you really don't have to do that, that you can have a life. I think that's when everybody started to kind of feel like they are enjoying this experience. Um, for me, you know, I, I set a lot of big goals a few years ago, and then I just crushed them. And, and I, I went so much further than that in my uh, career success. Mm -hmm. 
And I wasn't any more satiated or satisfied with where I was in life than when I had set the goals that I had already crushed and exceeded. And that's when I realized that only the pursuit of success was not going to leave me feeling fulfilled. And and that's what made me go on a, a journey, a search for balance. And also using the personality assessments, it's, it's affected our life very significantly, especially the one that we predominantly use called culture index and, and culture index is kind of designed for visionaries, the people that you're describing right. the ones that just, they see something and they will stop at nothing until they uh, obtain that. And it's helped me to understand visionaries. We learned we are both pretty extreme visionaries. And so we've always been all gas, no break, you know, very risk tolerant. And we've done all of these crazy things and found success But we've also learned that just like she was in a lot of roles that she wasn't well suited for, I've had to be very careful um, not to burden myself with parts of the job that are not well suited to my personality. And when I began to create an environment for myself in my companies where I have a lane that I stay in and I rely on other people to handle operations and things like that, things where I'm not really strong, places where I can be disruptive and frustrating in an unhealthy way inside my businesses. When when I created a situation where I mostly stayed out of those things, I began to find a lot more happiness and the balance came easier for me. So how would you say that translated into your staff? Because I know when I walk in and I'm disruptive in an unhealthy way, my staff is miserable, right? Um, right. When, so when you were able to take and actually see it, um, tell me what happened with your staff. Well, it's really great because my relationship with my staff is so much more healthy. And it's because in the role that I'm in, I'm a leader in the company. Um, I'm the company visionary, but I have an integrator that works for me, and he's the one that's directly over all the people in the company. So I'm never really the bad guy. And I used to be able to come in and change things and complain and try to motivate everyone and try to hold them accountable. And I could quickly become the disruptive bad guy. And so now the person who's in that position of holding everyone accountable is more suitable for that position. He is more even kilter. You know, he is someone who can consistently go in and provide the small management oversight and encouragement that's required to keep a company's operations running stable. And we've we've kind of built a situation through EOS where I don't really have the ability to come in and unilaterally disrupt everything. I mean, I could if I wanted to pull rank and do that, but I know that the company leadership and, and the and the morale would fall apart. Oh, yeah. I think that that is where, you know, especially in this very tight labor market where all, you know, all of your really high a you know a type person yeah not personality types but your a team players per se are already employed and so if you're wanting those a team players you're gonna have to steal them but you're gonna have to steal them with the right culture Um, culture you're exactly right it's all culture that's what attracts people that's what keeps people and i learned that 
me being the extreme visionary that I am, um, I am not always the best for keeping the company culture in check. And when I began to hand that role off to other people and I focused on the outward relationships of the company, then everything kind of fell into place for us. Nice. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of companies and I, you know, and I know a lot of the, you know, people that, you know, listen to this podcast and, um, we have, I've had some conversations with some of these people that, you know, we start to talk about the culture of a company and building the right culture because you can have the wrong culture. You know, obviously there's a lot of companies. I think even Amazon is struggling with their culture right now. Yeah. Um, terribly because, you know, they did have all this massive success and they've got now this huge organization, but they're suffering culture-wise. And um, and people are treated, people there feel like a number. They don't feel right. like a person yeah. and they don't feel like they belong as part of the company's mission. And so that's something, NTS is, is the other company that I own that has the most employees uh, and they're full-time in-house employees. Whereas Paradise claims a lot of that is very out, you know, it's uh, outside sales and then it's people out in the field working. And so it's a little bit different, the dynamic. But now that I have a company all under one roof um, here in Roanoke, um, we've been able to develop a really, really good and strong culture. And we believe that everyone down to the newest entry level employee believes in the company mission and they feel like they're a part of fulfilling it. That's yeah, that's exciting. So when you guys are onboarding um, new hires, um, how do you present that so that you get that patriot right off the bat? Well, some of it has been through signage in our offices, um, the company motto, our core values, things like that, hanging those up and presenting them to people and saying, uh, first of all, these are the core values of our company. Are these core values that you agree with as a person? And then once you have that buy-in, then I look at their personality and I say, I want to find the place in this company where you fit and you add value and you look forward to coming to work. Because years ago, I used to think that a job was something that people went to and hated it so that they could afford to do the things that they enjoyed. And I realized that's a miserable existence. And some people do live that existence, uh, but it shouldn't be. And, and I think that as young people, we aren't given the career guidance that we should be as, a, as teenagers, learning where we're inclined, what types of things we'll enjoy. And we're pushed through family or school pressure into vocations and careers that aren't really for us. And I realized that there's a perfect job out there for every person and every personality. And no matter how much money it makes, they will overall be happier in that perfect job uh, than they would in a different job that was paying more money that they were unhappy in. So making sure that they're sitting in the perfect seat, the perfect role within the company is very, very important, in my opinion, to their overall health and happiness there. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think sometimes when they find the, a, the job that's making them, you know, 25, 30 bucks an hour, whatever that looks like, and they're miserable still every day, um, because they're being held hostage to the paycheck, yeah. right? Yeah, you can't, you know, I will tell employees all the time, because you can see, right, when somebody is starting to, you know, take one foot out the door. You know, the very first thing I say to them is, I will not hold you hostage ever. 
I'm just, I'm not. Right. You know, if it is better for you to go to, you know, let me help you find that perfect seat if this is not it. Because that one person can poison and that oh, yeah, can, can happen just like that. Um, and, you, you know, we... I cannot wait till I get to spend more time with you guys because we align so much with what we do. I've got core values all over every wall in my office. Like, um, you know, and our company um, mission is do unto others as you wish to have done unto you first and foremost, right? Because I find so many times if you've got the wrong person in the wrong seat, right? They can, especially if it's in a leadership role, let's say it's a manager or a supervisor or something like that you are going to have nothing but chaos all the time within the organization and everybody's miserable. You know, one person walks into my office and says, I just don't like the way I'm spoken to. That is like, that is like everybody like hit the red lights. Everything's blaring, like find out what's happening because we're, somebody's in the wrong seat, as you guys said. But we ran businesses, we ran businesses for almost 10 years not truly understanding how to put the right people in the right seats and trying to take an individual and mold them into what we wanted them to be instead of what they were. And it was like just banging my head against a wall. And so for us, that's why the personality assessments were like the first piece of the puzzle that gave us all of this light at the end of the tunnel uh, and made us really push hard for personal and professional development over the last three years. And we've poured into so many books and so many groups of people and so many groups of entrepreneurs that have reinforced these things that now it's like I have a roadmap or I have a GPS. And eight years ago, I was in the dark without a flashlight. Oh, like trying to like feel for walls that aren't there. And you're like going, the next step is I'm falling into the black hole. Yeah. Every day, right. All the time that, that there are going to be people listening to this. So to be like, Oh, you mean I'm not supposed to be there? Like, I'm not. Well, I also just completely misunderstood the importance of people. I looked at people as something that are replaceable and just that by its nature right there, when you devalue your team members, uh, not intentionally necessarily, but when you misunderstand the value of people in a growing business, then you have no place to start from. So a lot of entrepreneurs, they're used to doing everything themselves and sometimes hiring people. Those people don't work out. The entrepreneur ends up doing this thing again himself or herself, jumping back into that role and getting it done because... That's they're the have. owner and they have to get it done. And when they're able to move beyond the concept of them doing those things and realize that for their growth and happiness and fulfillment in life, or to actually own a business instead of being self-employed, they have to do it through people. That's the only way you can do it is through the people that work for you, the people that are part of your organization. And then I think any company, when they get good at whatever it is they, they do and they want to grow, they must then become a recruiting organization. That has to be their focus. People, 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 people. People tell me, they ask me, well, you know, how do I fix these problems? And I say, the the solution to these problems is in the people that you bring into your organization because even po processes policies all of those things they're created by and followed by people right people you know that's interesting i said to my staff i'm getting ready to go on vacation and 
I very, I, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I have three companies. I see my husband, you know, I, fortunately we don't, we, we could, we could not work together. We tried to remodel a house together. That happened once, never again. Um, well, that was hard for us too. So well, that's not easy remodeling the house together. <laughs> oh boy. I don't know about all this, but so um, we're getting ready to go on vacation and we've had a little bit of disruption in one of the companies. And um, I said to the team, I was like, I'm going on vacation and I know you guys have this. It'll be fine. You guys will do great. I'm sure I'll get a few phone calls. We will figure it out. Like it's going to be fine. You know what you're doing. And even with new people in the mix, you know, we've had hired a couple of new people and I'm like, it's going to be okay. And everybody's like, okay, we got it. It's it's like that calmness of, okay, it's going to be fine. We've got this. You can't entrepreneurs. You cannot do this by yourself, not and grow into a million plus dollar company. Like you cannot, there's not enough hours in the day. We all only have the same number, right? So there's not enough hours in the day for one person to do everything that needs to be done. And I am so glad to hear you guys say, don't try. Like just don't try. Yeah. It's easier not to try. So you mentioned books. Um, I'm huge on personal and professional development. So it's kind of a big thing here. So what's one good book you guys would recommend? Uh, just one. Um, well, we've both been doing a lot of reading by Gina Wickman lately. Uh, Gina Wickman is the one rocket fuel traction, EOS, all of that. And so, uh, our companies run on traction on, on EOS and it's really been amazing for us because I need that little bit of structure and accountability that the system provides. Um, and then, you know, I am a fan of some of the classics like uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People and Think and Grow Rich. Those are in my rotation every few years. We also we also both read, a, I started it, but I think he may have finished it, a book about boundaries. And, you know, we look at a boundary as something that's negative, but setting boundaries in business is what's going to keep you sane and keep you happy and then allow you to take the baby to swim lessons or take off at four and spend time with your family because you're going to set those boundaries in place and everyone around you will start to respect those. It's also taught me to communicate better. So in companies where there are strong visionaries, there's almost a universal problem that that visionary is unable to effectively communicate his thoughts to the people in the organization around him. And and, and they usually expect all the people to just know and understand where they're at. And so the Boundaries book has taught me how to communicate better in my organizations without getting upset um, because I probably failed to effectively communicate my thought the first time before I got upset. Right. That's interesting. It's funny that you guys say that because I will start a sentence and my brain goes three sentences fast forward. And I, and they're like, and, and I'm like, yeah. oh. You're like, and what? Yeah. I, you didn't like, get that. I, oh, I forgot to finish that sentence. Sorry, guys. I was already three sentences out here. You know, they give me a hard time about it, but they just kind of stand there and they're like, and I'm like, oh yeah, finish the sentence. Um, so I, a universal problem. I, I know. Yes. I, yeah. Because so, someone referred to me the other day, they call it vision casting. When you get going in your big picture idea, your vision casting and the, the people who need the details are trying to catch whatever piece of it they can to put it all together for you, but you just slow down and actually go through it and help them work through the steps because 
ultimately they're the ones that are going to integrate your idea into the company. And so they, it's, it's really important that they understand what you're talking about. Yeah. So TJ, I know, you know, Heather Walker, who is my EA. Um, So yesterday I handed her this binder and I said, here's stuff. And she was like, stuff. And I said, yeah, like the big picture, seven steps. She goes, what goes in the seven steps? I go, you know, the other details. Like she was like, I'll write something up and give it to you. <laughs> it's like, it's not that I tweak it, you know, so we just start laughing because it's like, yeah. Okay. Tamara. Right. Sure. But I mean, that's- good EAs, good EAs are a special breed because they're part mind reader, part miracle worker and part interpreter. So it's, it's they a are- tall order. Yeah. And they're very hard to find. They oh, yes, are. Yes, they are. You know, you get one and I'm like, you can die in a body bag here. But you can't leave me ever. I hope you know that you are now an extension of this family. And please do not ever find a life outside of this because yeah, right. you can't survive. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. I called her. I was like, hey. And she's like, it, it's on your desk. I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, th- th- they are a an amazing breed. And I have only had her since... Um, September, October. And um, I literally, my my comment was, um, you can leave in a body bag, but that's the only time you can leave. Like we're, we're, we're going to be good there. So, um, and, and she's been right here under my nose this whole time. And I was just like, wow. Okay. Um, why? She goes, I had to grow up. I was like, oh, that's what it was. Okay. Thanks. You know? Um, so what are things that you guys like to do as a family for fun? Well, we like to travel. And one thing we're trying to do is trying to stop bundling our vacations together with work travel because we end up working and not vacationing. So we're trying to be deliberate about that. But we do enjoy traveling. We enjoy boating, fishing, the outdoors. Um, What else? Um, I think we go through lots of little hobbies. Like he's been doing um, RC airplanes and cars with the kids. So they've enjoyed that. And they like dirt bikes and four wheelers. I mean, you name it, and we've probably tried it. So, <laughs> Fun. So many kids, and they all like so many different things. So it's perfect because you get to try everything. So, so give me the age range of the kids. So my oldest is almost nineteen. Um, he's a licensed public adjuster that works with us. So I'm proud. Right. Of him. Uh, and then our youngest is oh, almost two. two. So we have seven boys and three girls from eighteen down to one. We wow. currently have five teenagers. So oh, like I, I, I will pray for you. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. Some <laughs> days are kind of rough. <laughs> so um, you guys are in Roanoke. So the kids and, and private, you guys are homeschooling still. Yes. Um, so how, tell me how the kids adjusted. Um, they didn't know anything differently. I'm assuming no, you've they've never right. been done and they've always been homeschooled. Oh, always homeschooled. How knowing your personalities, I'm pretty sure I know how this is going to get answered, but um, one of the arguments, if you will, to homeschooling is the social adjustment. Yeah. Um, So knowing your personalities now, I kind of think that that's probably not a problem for your kids. Um, How did they, how did you integrate them so that it wasn't a problem? So, so a few things, you know, I have seen that um, in certain cases, especially maybe if the parents are a little more introverted mm-hmm. and if there's only one or two kids yeah. and then their opportunity for social interaction is so much less. So by the nature of us having so many children, they're surrounded by kids all the time. 
mom and dad are very social and outgoing and I've always forced them to be, you know, I'm, I'm the dad that when they're little and they meet somebody, I say, stick your hand out and shake their hand. You know, I, I teach them how to engage people. And because of that, my kids are engaging. My, my older two kids are in sales. They're outside salespeople and they're successful doing that. And most of the kids have had quite a bit of socialization. Also, uh, homeschooling and or even having your kids grow up in the workplace, which people like Elon Musk do that in his companies. His yeah. kids are there schooling in his workplace. And the constant interaction with adults is amazing for socialization because they're not learning potty jokes and bad habits. They're learning how to behave and interact with other people in society. Right. We, we take them with us for work events, especially like conferences. And so our kids work our booth or help with whatever we're doing. And you, you, you are at an event and there's thousands of people there and my kids are running all over talking to everybody. Everybody knows who they are. You know, they have their favorite people that they like to go say hello to. And um, so they get, they get to experience that they, you know, they're talking with people of all ages, all, all ends of things, you know, and we get to do a lot of service work and nonprofit work, especially during the storms and the kids have taken part in that fed people meals during the days. And I think that that's kept them connected with a sense of community also. That that's really it's impressive for starters. I mean, you're not doing it with one or two, you're doing it with 10. So um, you guys just are, that, that's just amazing. So um, rock star, rock stars, you guys are just rock stars in that, that sense. Um, so the upside to homeschooling I'm hearing is that they do get there's more to it than just learning, reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? So they're getting to see what the real world is because let's go public schools for a second. These kids are coming out of public schools, coming into the workforce, and I want to bang my head against every slammed door in my, like thinking, what, what is coming? This is not, this cannot be our next generation that's going to run our country. And, you know, like, so the upside I'm hearing is your kids are actually stepping into the real world, already coming from the real world because you've had them in that real world. Absolutely. Um, I wish that I would have been afforded some of those opportunities as a young person. Yeah. So I just chose to, to do it differently from the beginning. And I, everybody said it wouldn't work. Well, it's never right. been easy. We were, we were the first ones in our families, um, in our friend groups, you know, it's looked different than anybody around us. And it's more common now, especially post COVID, yeah. but we were, you know, this was nothing new for us. So now everyone is just, discovering it and deciding that for some of them, it is a good solution. And, you know, public school is made for quiet, compliant, rule-following children. And, you know, I don't actually know that that's what I want to raise. Right. Right. Where are the disruptors in our world coming from, right? If they're all rule followers and, you know, we joke around here because, you know, I have three businesses that interact um, and I own one of the largest balloon decor companies here in town. And when COVID hit and they were like, you have to shut down your business. I was like, says who? Like, watch, watch this. We did not shut down. Not one day. I ran more balloon deliveries. We had our best year ever in the middle of COVID when I was supposed to shut down. I was like, 
put me in jail. I don't care. Like I am not shutting down my business because you are a fraidy cat. Like I'm just not. Um, Right. So those, where are they coming from if they're all rule followers? Right. So I agree. They're getting sent, they're getting sent to alternative schools. They're labeled the bad kids. They can't follow the rules. They're getting put on Ritalin. They're ending up in prison. And statistically, you know, statistics prove that. They show that. Um, Public school was designed to train a workforce 120 years ago. And um, we've got to keep working on making it better. Yeah. No, I agree with you completely. It's pretty hard for those kids that, you know, are like, I just don't fit in. I didn't fit in in high school. I was not that kid that I was kind of that kid that was like, I just, I never found my tribe. I didn't find my people, if you will. Um, And it's because I wasn't the compliant rule follower. My my mom said from the day that I was born, I was going to be her most difficult. And I was her oldest. I'm surprised she even had any more. (laughs) So difficult. I mean, at five, when she got up to take me to school, I was like, why don't you go to bed? I don't like you in the morning. So like, I just got myself to kindergarten. She said it was kind of like crazy, but you know that, and I was raised on military bases. So I mean, I had a dad in the military. So you had that, that structure. And then I was that outside kid. My mom was like, Oh, what are we doing here? So, um, but here I am, you know, found my niche, found my people, right. And my tribe and all of that. Um, I like that because now, you know, Facebook and the internet has allowed me to find a lot of my people now too. And it's usually people that think similarly like that. Now I wanted to mention you, your balloon business. I didn't know about that, but we should collaborate because I have a, a video series on TikTok where my daughter is being carried away by a bouquet of balloons. Oh, how fun. And it's got over 50 million views. So <laughs> let's let's follow up on that and do something fun because I like to do I like to do crazy adventurous uh social media content. Well, we got you. I mean, we've done some really cool fun stuff. I made a this um 14 foot rocket for an Amazon warehouse one time. Like we've just done some really cool fun stuff with balloons. So that's cool. We'll definitely have to follow up on that one. Yeah. Um, fun. Um and actually. Um, you know, my company, you probably have driven by it. If you've been in white settlement, any, any recently at all, the big purple building with the balloons all over it and purple vans in front. What's it called? Affairs afloat balloons. Yeah. So right across from West elementary, right off of white settlement road, where it's kind of like, I tell everybody, I'm like, just stay under the radar. Like, we'll just stay under the radar. Not don't, but I mean, big purple vans all over, balloons all over them. You can't miss them. Kind of under the radar then. <laughs> radar. Yeah. So, but you know, a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's really my, that's, I get a lot of joy from being able to bring joy to our community with balloons. And we do everything from Denton to Waco and Weatherford to Tyler. So we're all over the place. Wow, that's so cool. Lots of fun. Lots and lots of fun. Um, Well, okay. One parting shot. If there was one thing, um, let's talk up and coming entrepreneurs. Okay. Because they are like, what did you guys do wrong that we shouldn't do? Like all of the trial and error, right? Um, What is one piece of advice that you would leave with the audience today um, to help them navigate some of this murky water that they're in? Probably the one thing that I would say that I wish I would have done earlier in my entrepreneurial career is invest in training and coaching. 
Uh, It took me many years before we ever invested in training. And now we're huge proponents of investing in training and coaching and personal and professional development for yourself and for your staff. Your team. I think entrepreneurs, they start a company because they see an idea, they see a vision, they see a better way. And that's true, but you're not the only person that, that has to do it. There are people that have a lot of experience and a lot of advice that they can offer you to save you a lot of those heartaches that you're so stubborn and hardheaded that you're going to experience probably still anyways. Um, but not having to learn your lessons the hard way and asking for help and learning from people who have been there is, is key. And it's not about money. It's about time. Time. The training and the coaching. If it can get you to a place in two months that it would take you two years to get on your own, no amount of money can replace the 22 months that that saved you. Yeah. Well, that and the time of being able to go spend time with your family, time being able to be with your kids, right? Time is money. You've, you know, that cliche that we, we say, we hear all the time, you know, know your value. What is your time worth? Yes. Right. Because sometimes I think entrepreneurs or even those that want to be entrepreneurs, they've got this idea. They're afraid to jump into the water because they don't know if they'll work or what. Um, I have to agree with you guys. There's no amount of money that is going, it, it is, it isn't about the money. People choke sometimes when they know how much money I spend on professional development. And, you know, yes. right. I've, I've worked with Darren Hardy, um, been to a couple of the high performance forums. And like, if you guys know any of that, you kind of know what that dollar amount looks like. And people are just like, <gasps> And I'm like, oh, worth every penny. The value that it brings. Is- oh, wow. Yeah. It, yeah. it makes a huge difference. We, we still invest regularly. And I do talk to newer business owners that can't even understand or fathom the amount of money that we spend on that, on that stuff. But it's all about getting me to a certain place and getting mm-hmm. me there quicker Faster. and in one piece. <laughs> in one piece. Without, without you killing your staff in the right. process. Right. Or them turning around and killing you in your sleep. Sure. So right. Either way. Exactly. <laughs> right. Well, you guys have been so delightful. And I am so honored to have been able to spend this time with you guys. I am uh, really honored. It, thank you so much for um joining me today on Everything Is Up. And um one more time, can we give everybody your business name and maybe a good way to contact you if they have any questions? Sure. Uh, TJ Ware with Paradise Claims, uh, paradiseclaims.com. My email is tj at paradiseclaims.com. And um, we also love to coach and work with other entrepreneurs. So feel free to reach out to me. I'm real approachable. Oh, thank you so much, Jackie. Um, I know you are, you probably got a good seat here too. So is there a good way for them to get a hold of you? Um, my email is jackie at paradiseclaims.com. Perfect. We're we're both always accessible. Perfect. Is it J-A-C-K-I-E? Yes. Perfect. Okay. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much again. I so appreciate it. This is Tamara with Everything Is Up. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks. You bet. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Everything Is Up. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. And remember, everything is up.